Before we get into this week's episode, let's talk about Cuts Clothing. Guys, work attire has completely changed. You don't have to wear stuffy and uncomfortable clothes anymore. Cuts Clothing has reimagined work clothes by elevating the classic t-shirt to something you can wear on any occasion, from a formal work meeting to a casual night out. Everyone loves Cuts Clothing. Elite athletes, entrepreneurs, recording artists, and many more are all wearing what GQ magazine calls the only shirt worth wearing. And Cuts has your holiday shopping covered with a ton of new products and special site-exclusive offers every day in December. So go visit CutsClothing.com today for some can't-miss daily deals. One more time, that's CutsClothing, C-U-T-S, Clothing.com. And now, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and here's another episode of Between the Tackles. All right, what is good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Between the Tackles, which is an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Swede. Thank you so much for joining. If you're a returning listener, thanks for riding. If you are new, make sure to like, subscribe, download, follow, all that good stuff to the podcast. We're on all platforms, streaming podcasts, so thank you for for giving us a listen, giving us a chance, and hopefully uh, you like what you hear and you keep on riding. Um, So... We're going to jump right in because there's a lot to cover. Um, we're going to start off with some really tough, um, sad news. Um, recording this on um, a Wednesday. Um, so if if you haven't heard, um, yesterday, Tuesday, um, December 28th, John Madden passed away at the age of 85, I believe. Um, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time um, because, you know, I want this to be an uplifting, a happy, a vibrant podcast. Um, but I did obviously want to talk about him and what he meant to my life. Um, and I'm not going to be somebody that tries to extrapolate and, and hyper use hyperbolic speech to talk about John Madden um, and lie like I was deeply affected by, by John Madden. Um, the person. There are definitely ways that I was indirectly deeply affected by by Madden, um, and we'll talk about that. Um, no pun intended. But let's let's just kind of talk through what he meant to football, and then we'll talk about, like I said, what he meant directly to my life, indirectly and then directly. Um, so I believe I'm going to pull this up just to double check, but I believe he's that has the best winning percentage of NFL coaches of all time with with a hundred wins or more. I think he wanted a seventy three or seventy five percent clip. Um, Bill Belichick only wins at like a sixty six percent clip, so it just kind of shows you. Again, Belichick has more wins, and he's you know whatever, but nonetheless, he's got the best winning percentage in, in NFL history um, at, at above seventy percent. Um, I think he went to seven AFC Championship games, which is just you know again on Bill Belichick's level. Um, then he moves into, and that's just, you know, that's just the football regiment, the, the coaching regiment, um, acumen, I mean, um, then he moves into the broadcast booth and I, I can't overstate what he meant to broadcasting and what broadcasting looks like now and what he did for that. First off, um, Maybe the best, if you know, one of the best, if not the best, color commentators across all sports, not just football, just across all sports. What he did to be able to teach people about football um, in a way that you didn't even know that he was teaching you. You would just kind of listen and you learned so much about the game just from him commentating a football game. Almost like 
you know, what guys like Romo and Greg Olson and some of these guys do now where they basically tell you everything that's going on in a play and what's about to happen or what could happen before it happens. John Madden wasn't doing before because it just wasn't his nature. He was doing after. So he would go through a replay and he would basically tell you everything that you just saw and why it worked or why it didn't or what should have happened. And that's basically what what Romo and some of these guys are doing now. Romo does it before the play, but what these guys are doing now, but even more like a general natural conversation. And that's what what Madden did in the booth was it was just, it was natural. It was fun. It was a conversation. It wasn't like he was teaching you. He was, but you didn't feel like it. You just were listening to this guy just so passionately and so intricately love football and know it so well that he would teach it to you. Um, And again, I, I... I listened, that was a younger, you know, when I was much younger, um, when I was listening to him. So again, I'm not going to sit here and act like I remember everything that he did in the booth, but I just remember specific moments on Thanksgiving where he would just draw on, draw up plays, um, you know, um, illustrate plays, telestrate, and just being amazed. And now everybody does that. And by the way, he started that. There's a story Rinaldi was talking about on First Things First today where, um, he used to he started production meetings for broadcasters. He started go he was the one that started broadcasters going to practice, meeting with players and coaches. And in production meetings, he would get up on a whiteboard or a chalkboard and he would draw plays. Like this is what this is what this team's offense runs in their base set, and then this is what they run off of it and all this stuff. And he was like, Why can't I do this on the air? Like, I think this would be great. So they basically were like, well, this is a union thing and you we don't normally let just like color commentators do this. You don't you have to know the system and you have to know the the union of the production team to be able to do this. And he was like, "Well, I, you guys don't know what this is. I do." And they grandfathered him in and he started to do all this telestration and now everybody does telestration and if you don't do telestration, you're behind. He's the one that started the um first down yellow line. That was that was John Madden, which now makes you think, "Well, how the hell did we ever watch football without that yellow line?" And so, so many things were paramount to what we see now on a football broadcast, and that was all started by John Madden. But me being a 28-year-old male, and and not that only males play this game, but predominantly males play this game, we have to talk about the video game. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to overstate, like, I, I don't think it's overstating to say that there's a lot of people my age and the youngest coaches in the league, there's a direct line from this game to how they coach, to players, how they play, how they fell in love with the game, how they learned the game, how they they learned to read coverages and learn to understand what you do. And when there's four wide receivers out there, you have to run a dime package and you can't run 4-3 or you're going to get hosed. I learned so much about the game of football. This is not a joke. I, I want people to understand how I understand reading defenses and no too high safety and dime packages and a nickel package and covering the flats and cover three and cover four and um, all-out blitzes and robbers and all that. I know all of that from the Madden football game. I cannot state that enough. Everything that I know clock management-wise, motion-wise, offense-wise, defense-wise, I learned from a video game. And then I would take that and I would go and watch the game and I would be able to understand what was happening in real life more because I played a video game from a guy who was a coach and a broadcaster and then a beautiful, beautiful businessman with his video game. I 
I have so many memories of winning tournaments or losing tournaments or, you know, drunken nights with friends or, you know, when I'm in, when younger and we had sleepovers and we would just play Madden tournament upon Madden tournament every single, every single weekend. And so I, I just want everybody to understand that, yes, this was a loss for the football community, but it was a loss for the video game community. It was a loss for the broadcasting community. This was not just... This was not just a one-trick pony. He had had three separate Hall of Fame careers in three different occupations. I believe it's something that we probably will never see again in terms of, you know, coach to broadcast to obviously video game, you know, aficionado. That's just not going to happen. Um, but one one more quick anecdote on the video game. Um, I, I heard this today too. So originally... EA wanted it to be a seven on seven or like eight on eight kind of video game. And, but they wanted obviously it to be called John Madden or Madden. And Madden said no. He said, There, I want this to be a teaching game and I want this to be a game that resembles the actual product on the field. So if you don't make this full on 11 on 11 and make this realistic like it is on a football field, don't put my name on it. And that delayed the launch of the game, the game franchise for several years, I think two to three years, maybe even more. And then they came back and said, okay, here we go. And he put his name on it, and now it's forever known as Madden. And so wouldn't be shocked if the next one has him on it, um, to be to be quite quite candid. Players now start to get emotional, and, and they're Madden ratings, and if they're on the cover, and all that matters to them now because when they were kids, they were playing that game, and their memory and their football acumen and their IQ and everything they knew about the NFL might have been formed by that. And that was a lot of me. Fantasy football was birthed from it because it was this idea of like, I can put all these, I can create roster moves and put all these superpower players on one team. You can, you could create team Madden ultimate team as a direct line of fantasy football. And so all of these things were branched off of this video game that started so back when, and it was such a, a, a joy to play and learn and now know everything that he wanted in that game is something that I took away. And so, he will be greatly missed. Um, the beautiful thing, I think, in all of this, if you want to try to find some like joy or like glimmer of of happiness from it, is that there was a documentary that came out on Christmas night, or maybe even Christmas, maybe either Christmas Eve or Christmas night, and he got to watch it before he passed. And he got to ask all of his family members what they thought about it, and then he got to give an opinion on it. And I'm sure that makes all the people that worked so tirelessly on this documentary so great. Um, I actually have it. It's going to air tonight on Fox 1, I believe, and then on Fox as well on Thursday night. So I'm going to sit down and watch it um, because I know a little bit about him, but I don't know enough. Um, and so I want to honor him in that by watching that documentary um, sometime this week. So that is, um, that's kind of going to end that. Um, rest in peace, John Madden, 85. Um, what a life. What a mark um, left on football. And then one more somber note. Um, I am a Bears fan, as we've talked about on this podcast, and the Bears community um, lost a... Um, Really great human being, a great soul. Jeff Dickerson um, was a reporter for ESPN, specifically in the Chicago area for the Bears. Um, I'd seen on Twitter a couple weeks ago that he was fighting for his life, and I just, you know, in this na- in this nature that we are, in this state of the world, that I thought he was battling COVID. Either way, not great. 
um, but found out that he had passed away yesterday as well of colon cancer. Um, and I don't have as many stories about him. I used to f- I follow him on Twitter, um, you know, read his articles, and, you know, he was always critical, but he was always truthful, and he was factual, and he just called it like it was, and so I appreciate that. But it sounds like from everybody that I've read and anything that I've seen that he was a phenomenal human being, and he will be greatly missed. Um, so, again, RIP Jeff Dickerson. Um, Bears reporter there as well. I believe he was 44, um, passing of colon cancer. All right, enough of the the sad stuff. Um, let's move into recapping um, last week's NFL slate, which had several, several interesting, um, interesting results. Um, so we will start with the Thursday game, uh, which happened again, you know, two, uh, two days before Christmas, Thursday the 23rd. So we'll back up a little bit. San Francisco taking on Tennessee. Um, San Francisco was favored by three and a half. This game was ugly early. 10-0 San Francisco at halftime. Um, San Francisco closed at minus three and a half. Um, Tennessee ends up outscoring them 20-7 to in the second half, and they win the game by three. So Tennessee wins outright. San Francisco does not cover. And that was a really tough loss for San Francisco, who, who at that point and still now just cannot cannot afford a loss like they did and we'll talk about playoff clinching stuff and playoff standings and all that like we will in the middle um because we got a lot to talk about in terms of team rankings and all that stuff and and mvp um but san francisco just could not afford a loss there when they were favored with tennessee just really struggling on offense all right we had a couple saturday christmas games um cleveland was very much dealing with a ton of crap um still covid related um as they were really dealing with it a week ago um in their game against oh shoot was it the ravens who they were dealing with it against either way oh no sorry that was the um no vegas but anyway this game this week's game taking on um taking on green bay in lambeau green bay closes as a seven and a half point favorite um, the Green Bay's defense did not look great. They kind of let Cleveland do whatever they want on the ground. I mean, Baker really tried to throw the game away. I believe he had four picks. Um, could have had six. I mean, to be honest, there were several that were just dropped or horrible throws. Um, but Green Bay didn't look great either. Um, they ended up winning by two, 24 to 22, so they do not cover. But... Um, Green Bay just finds ways to win. Their defense, while only giving up 22 points, didn't look great on the ground, which may not bode well for future opponents. But um, they get the win. Cleveland, with that loss, basically made it so that they had to win out, and then they needed a bunch of other stuff to happen, which we can talk about, which actually a lot of that stuff did happen. Um, All right, Indianapolis taking on Arizona in the other uh, Christmas Day game. Indianapolis, um, or sorry, Arizona closed as a three-point favorite. I thought that this was a game that Arizona was going to come out on fire, that they were going to really dominate. Um, Indianapolis dealing with with a bunch of COVID stuff, um, continuing to still deal with a bunch of COVID stuff now with um, Carson Wentz out being an unvaccinated player and he catching COVID. Um, We can talk about what the NFL just did recently with their COVID protocols, but um, the way it stands right now, they were dealing with a bunch of stuff. Arizona was looking and seemingly healthy, um, but... Indianapolis closing as a three-point favorite, they lose outright. Indianapolis takes it 22-16, to 16, um, and that was just, it was a great game by Carson Wentz, to be honest. It was just, um, Jonathan Taylor ran well, Carson Wentz made some big throws when he needed to, and, and they dominated, um, dominated the Cardinals. Tampa Bay taking on Carolina. Tampa Bay closes a 10.5-point favorite. Carolina is in shambles at the quarterback position. They have nothing offensively. Tampa Bay Tampa Bay easily covers the spread by 26. They win 32-6. to Tampa Bay, though, really, really hit with the injury bug. Um, 
did not look good. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that they're going to have to deal with going down the road um, in the playoff picture. I mean, again, they won. They win by a lot against a terrible offense, but this is just going to be really tough for them with all the injuries they have. One of the things that happens when you decide to go veteran and bring in and keep the same team and run it back of a lot of team of a lot of players that were already kind of veterans is when you get hurt. And when they get hurt, veterans take a little longer to to heal. They take a longer a little bit longer to revamp or they do really well during the year to start the year and then towards the end they kind of start to get 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 brittle, broken down. And I think we're kind of seeing that a little bit here. Um they still won by 26, so obviously got to give them credit there. Um but you know, we'll see what it looks like down the stretch for them. They did clinch their division with that win though. Giants taking on Philadelphia. Philadelphia favored by 11. Uh, they end up winning 34-10 to 10 and uh, just completely dominate that game. It looked a little ugly early, but then they dominate. They outscored the, the Giants 31-7 to 7 in the second half to, to cover that spread and win by 24. Chargers taking on Houston. This is one of those games that the Browns needed the Chargers to lose, and by golly, they got blown out. Um, this was... A 17 to 13 game at halftime, and then a 17 16 game in the third. And then Houston outscores them 24 to 10 in the fourth, and they win by 12. The Chargers were favored by 13, which I had teased down because I thought that's a lot of points. I don't care, you know, what you think. I had teased it down, thinking, okay, well, they can win by a touchdown. And they lose by 12. Um, and that's just a game that you just can't have if you're Herbert and the Chargers um, in a playoff push type game. So, uh, they lose that game, and now they are also fighting for playoff life, um, and we'll talk about that a little later. Atlanta taking on Detroit. Atlanta um, was favored by 7.5. Uh, this was one that I teased down to, I believe at the time, a half or maybe 1.5. They closed at 7.5. They win by 4. They get it done. Um, but, man, um, it was ugly. Atlanta doesn't look good. Detroit's awful. Um, which makes the loss by the Cardinals to them last week just all the more confusing. But Atlanta gets the win. They win by four, but they do not cover. Cincinnati taking on Baltimore. This was awesome. Cincinnati favored by seven and a half. I believe I had teased them down as well to a half a point just to win outright. Um, shout out Robert Bell. We're going to have him on um, in a couple weeks once the playoffs start to talk about he's a Bengals guy, and we'll talk about Bengals season, postseason stuff, what he thinks of it. But right now, favored by 7.5 in this game against Baltimore. They win by 20. They dominated the second quarter, and that basically put the game away at that point. Um, and then dom- they dominated throughout the whole game, but they really dominated in the second, put that game away. They win by 20, 41, 21. Rams, Minnesota. Rams were favored by three. This was actually a pretty good game. I didn't really get a chance to watch this one, but it ended up being a pretty good game. They were favored by three, the Rams were. Um, they were up 13 to three at halftime. Uh, Minnesota outscores them 20 to 17 in the fourth or in the second half, but not enough to overcome that deficit. So the Rams actually do cover. They win by a touchdown 30 to 23. Side note on the Rams, too. I think Odell Beckham has uh, six touchdowns in four games or something like that, um, or maybe four touchdowns in five games or something like that. And he had six touchdowns in three years or something like that with the, with the Browns. So just letting you know that like there's ways to get Odell the ball um, when you have creative play design and a, and a, um, a quarterback who's pretty good. Jacksonville taking on the Jets. The Jets were favored by two and a half. This was actually a game the Jets needed to lose. I think both teams wanted to lose this game, but the Jets end up actually winning the game. They were favored by two and a half. They win by five, 26, 21. 
Buffalo taking on New England. I hammered Buffalo money line. I hammered Buffalo plus the point. I teased them up to plus eight. I did everything you could, basically, thinking that Buffalo was going to win this game, and they did. They dominated the Patriots from beginning to end. They win 33-21. to New England does not cover the one point. Chicago and Seattle, I also had Chicago money line. I had them plus the points. I teased them up to 14, I think, or maybe 13 and a half at the time. Oh, no, they were favored. I think it was eight. Actually, I got them when it was eight and a half, and so they were teased all the way up to, I think, 15 and a half or something like that, something crazy. Either way, Seattle closed at the end, minus seven. They lose outright to the Bears, 25-24. Shout out Big Dick Nick. Um, they score a touchdown at the end, and then they go for two just to, to give it to them, and they win 25-24. Kansas City taking on Pittsburgh. Kansas City favored by 10. This is the scariest team in football. This is the best team in football. You, With their defense the way it is right now, the way they're playing, how they're doing it, offense and defense, they win 36-10, to 10, cover the 10 points, look dominant in all facets of the game. Um, you just got to watch out for them. This is, again, a, a Super Bowl train is coming, and it's it's starting with the Chiefs, and it's going through through Arrowhead. Las Vegas and Denver, this game closed as a pick Las Vegas wins 17-13. It was ugly. It wasn't great. But Las Vegas continues to win games that I just don't, didn't think were possible. Washington and Dallas. Dallas favored by 10. This was Sunday night, and this was an absolute ass-kicking. Um, side note here, I had a fantasy football um, semifinal that I was in, um, and the opposing team had Dak Prescott, and he was going bonkers. And I won by two at the end of it all, because they took Dak out for Cooper Rush because it was such a blowout. So I'm sorry. Um, shout out, Pobs. I'm sorry. Uh, you should have beat me because if this is a close game, well, if it's a close game, maybe not because maybe Dak doesn't have as many good stats. But if it was a shootout, I guess you could say you would have beat me. Um, so I'm sorry that it was such a blowout that they took him out. Um, but, you know, what can I say? We're on to the finals in fantasy football. And then the Monday night game, Miami taking on a COVID-ridden um, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Miami was favored by three. They won 20-3. to three. This game was awful, to be honest. Neither team played great. One team just wasn't decimated by COVID. Um, and so Miami wins 20-3 to three and cover that three-point spread. All right, let's move into, let's first give a, I'm going to do a standings update first because um, that will then lead into playoff scenarios from there. Um, and when I say playoff scenarios, I'm going to do like what what teams can do to clinch the playoffs, and then um, we can kind of see if there's a, you know a way for any of these other teams on the fringe to uh, to make the playoffs. All right, so let's do an, uh, let's start in the AFC. Um, the number one team in the AFC is still the Kansas City Chiefs. They have also the only team in the AFC to have clinched a playoff spot at eleven and four. Coming in second, Tennessee Titans. Coming in the third spot the Bengals, and they win a tiebreaker over Buffalo, who has the same record as actually a bunch of teams at 9-6. and six. But they are number three um, because of their win percentage in conference games and because they are the division leader. Buffalo Bills, also a division leader at 9-6. and six. They win the tiebreaker over New England because of the best win percentage in division games. Indianapolis wins the tiebreaker at number five over New England based on their head-to-head -head win. The Patriots are now 9-6. and six. Um, At the sixth spot, Dolphins 8-7. and seven. At the seven spot, they win a tiebreaker over um, the Chargers based on their win percentage in common games, and they win a tiebreaker over Baltimore based on their conference win percentage as well. Um, a division tiebreak was also so now we can kind of kind of look of look around 
the rest of the league here. Um, so in the eight spot, outside right looking in um, is the Ravens. Chargers are at nine. Raiders, 10. Steelers, 11. Browns, 12. Broncos, 13. The reason I give all of them is because technically they all have still have a shot, um, some more than others. We'll talk about clinching scenarios in a little bit. Um, but that is your AFC playoff um, slash standings update in the AFC. NFC, Green Bay is still atop. They have clinched at 12-3. and three. Dallas, 11-4, and four, also has clinched the playoffs um, by clinching their division. 11-4. and four. They win a tiebreaker over Los Angeles for now um, and Tampa Bay, even though they've all clinched their division and all have the same record because of their win percentage in conference games. The Rams come in at number three um, because of their tiebreak win um, over Tampa Bay head-to-head. And then Tampa Bay also um, a division clincher as well. That's why they are the four spot at 11-4. and four. Rams have not clinched their division. No one has clinched that division yet, but they have clinched a playoff berth just based off their record. Arizona coming in at 10 and 5, another team again that is fighting with the Rams to clinch that division at 10 and 5. They're the five spot. The six spot is still San Francisco at 8 and 7, and they win a tiebreaker over Philadelphia, who was also 8 and 7 because they beat them head to head. Philadelphia is 8 and 7 at the seven spot, at the final playoff spot there. And then kind of going down the line, there are three teams that we'll bring up, and maybe Washington, who is 6 and 9, but the three teams at 7 and 8 are the Vikings, the Falcons, and the Saints. The Vikings hold a tiebreaker over both of them. Atlanta, because of best win percentage in conference games, and um, they are ahead of New Orleans because Atlanta's ahead of them because of head-to-head division tiebreak and a head-to-head win. So that's your AFC and NFC playoff update as of now. Let's go through some playoff clinching scenarios. So, as I mentioned, Buffalo is the four seed in the playoffs. Um, let's see how they can clinch a playoff berth. First one, easy one. Um, Buffalo win, and, and if they win and Baltimore loses, they clinch a playoff berth. The other scenarios, which I'm only going to go through very few of them because they, they, Buffalo has nine scenarios they can clinch a playoff berth. Easiest one, they win, Baltimore loses. If Buffalo wins and then Chargers lose and Las Vegas Raiders lose, they also get in. If Buffalo and then everything else is a tie. So I'm only going to talk about the ones where Buffalo wins because so, ties are so infrequent. I'm not even going to bring that up. So the two scenarios for Buffalo to clinch a playoff berth, by the way, not the division, but clinch a playoff berth is a Buffalo win and a Baltimore loss, or the other scenario, Buffalo win, Chargers loss, and then Las Vegas loss or tie. Same thing for Chargers, loss or tie. Cincinnati, who, by the way, is at the three spot in the AFC playoff picture. They clinched the AFC North title with a win, who, by the way, they play Kansas City. I should have said that for for Buffalo. Buffalo plays... Um, Atlanta on Sunday, so it's a pretty pretty decent chance they win. The problem with Cincinnati is to clinch their playoff or their AFC North win, they would have to beat Kansas City this weekend. So their three scenarios are they win to win the AFC North, they win against Kansas City. If they tie Kansas City and then Baltimore loses or ties, they clinch the AFC North. Or if Baltimore loses and then Cleveland and Pittsburgh tie, that's how they clinch the North. Okay? Now, just to... Just to clinch a playoff berth, they can tie and then a bunch of other things happen. So it's going to be pretty tough for them to not make the playoffs. But we're going to basically just talk about clinching the North right now, which is beating Kansas City. That's easy. Or tie and Baltimore loses. 
or Baltimore loss and then Cleveland and Pittsburgh tie. Basically, they cannot lose because if they lose, it becomes extremely, extremely, extremely tough um, for them to control their own destiny. They play Kansas City, like I mentioned. All right, for the Colts, they play Las Vegas on Sunday. For them to clinch a playoff berth, because they can't clinch their, I don't think they can clinch their division. Um, let's see here. I mean, I'm sure they can clinch their division. Maybe they can't, though, because of where they are. Um, I thought they beat Tennessee. Either way. Um, let's just talk about their playoff clinching scenarios here. So they clinch a playoff berth with a win, obviously, or if they tie and Baltimore loses and New England loses, or if Indianapolis ties, Baltimore loses, and Miami loses or ties as well. So that is how they make the playoffs this upcoming Sunday. All right, the Chiefs. They've already clinched the playoffs. Now we're talking about clinching the number one seed. If they win and Tennessee loses... Or if they tie and Tennessee loses. So basically, they win or tie and Tennessee loses, they get the number one seed. They play Cincinnati, like I mentioned. All right, the Patriots are playing the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, and this is how they clinch a playoff berth. If they win and Miami loses or ties, or if they win and Las Vegas loses or ties, they will clinch a playoff berth. They play Jacksonville. Tennessee plays Miami, and we're going to talk about them clinching the South because they're the leaders. Tennessee clinches the AFC South with a win, straight up. Or if Indianapolis loses, straight up. Or if Tennessee ties and Indianapolis somehow both tie, they win the AFC South. This is how they clinch a playoff berth. If they tie, berth clinched. Bunch of other scenarios. Basically, if they win, they clinch the AFC South and they're in. If Indianapolis loses, they clinch the AFC South and they're in. So let's look at the NFC. Who all has clinched so far? I've already mentioned Cowboys, Packers, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Rams. So let's talk about number one seeds here. Green Bay clinches the NFC's number one seed with a Green Bay win and a Dallas loss or tie. Or if a Green Bay tie, Dallas loss, Rams loss, Tampa Bay loss or tie. And then Green Bay tie, Dallas loss, Rams tie, Tampa Bay loss. Again, a bunch of that probably won't happen, so let's just think they get the number one seed if they win and Dallas loses. Rams, they clinch the NFC West with a Rams win, so that if they win and Arizona loses, or if they tie and Arizona loses, they also clinch. Philadelphia clinches a playoff berth. They play Washington. Sorry, I didn't say who anybody plays. The Packers will be playing Minnesota, so they need to win and Dallas lost. Rams playing Baltimore. They need to win an Arizona loss. Philadelphia playing Washington. Philadelphia clinches a playoff berth with a win from them and then a Minnesota loss or tie and then a New Orleans loss or tie. Philadelphia, another scenario, is if they win and Minnesota loses and tie or San Francisco win or tie. In other words, taking out you know other teams ahead of them. Here's how the 49ers clinch a playoff berth. They play Houston. San Francisco clinches a playoff berth with a San Francisco win and a New Orleans loss or tie. And that will basically be the only scenario that I believe will happen for them. You're going to say, well, Matt, what about other teams that you said in your standings update? What about them clinching? There's a lot that needs to happen for all those other teams to clinch. Um, So we will get to that next week if it's needed. Um, 
Let's see here. I want to see maybe. I want to see. Let's let's talk local here because I know you know I'm recording this in in Ohio. Um, let's see if the let's see if somebody has how has if somebody put together the Browns playoff chance here. So first, before the Browns can think about what needs to happen outside of their games, they need to win their last two. We talked about that. They have to win out. They play Monday night against the Steelers, and then they would play the Bengals at home in Week 18. So next, after that, so win, win out. First step, win out. If they don't go out, win out, they can't. They would finish 9-8 and eight if they went out. Second, Cincinnati would have to lose out, which is also possible because they play the Chiefs, which they can't control, but then they play the Browns at home, which they do control. So that would put them at 9-8, and eight, and that would, give, since, or that would give Cleveland the nod because of head-to-head. And then third, they would need the second-place Ravens to lose one of their two remaining games and finish no higher than 9-8. and eight. And they play the Rams in Week 17, and then they play Baltimore. And or sorry, then they sorry they play the Rams and they play the Steelers. And by the way, Baltimore is not healthy. They can't figure out their quarterback situation, and they've lost four in a row. Um, they would also just need the Browns or sorry the Steelers to lose once. But again, the Browns control that part of it um, because they play them in Week 17 Monday night. If the Browns and the Bengals are tied at 9-8, and eight, the Browns swept that season series, so they would own the tiebreaker. And if there's a three-way tie between the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens, the tiebreaker would be who has the best overall record against the other two, which would be the Browns at 3-1 and one because the Bengals um, were 0-2 against the Browns, and the Browns won one against the Steelers. Or, sorry, against the Ravens. So, um, it's weird, but... You don't want to say the Browns control their own destiny because they don't. They control a lot of their destiny with two of their games being against divisional opponents, um, and then the Chiefs kind of hold the other part of that bargain. Um, obviously, the the Ravens have to lose another one, and then um, th- and you know Cincinnati has to lose to the Kansas City. But the Browns basically control about what let's call it sixty six percent of the equation, which is win out, take out Cincinnati, take out Pittsburgh. And hope that, so let's call it a four part. They owned three of the four, so 75% of it. And then the other part of it is Kansas City, just keep the run that you're going on because you want the one seed, and there you go. So basically, you know, I, I think the Chargers losing was a massive one. Um, massive. The Ravens losing was also massive. Um, and so that basically gave Cleveland life. I don't think we saw the Chargers losing to the Texans, and that was a big one. And I don't think we saw, um, you know, I don't think we saw any other things happening that way. Um, but yeah, so all you have to do now, you're not worrying about anything other than winning your division because if you're trying to worry about other teams ahead of them, like the Raiders, like the you know the Chargers, you you you're not you're not getting in a wild card spot in this league. Because of where it is with with seven and eight. If you have six losses, you have a shot. But, you know, the problem is, is Cleveland kind of owns their own destiny, which is weird. They don't, but they do. 75% of it is controlled by Cleveland. The other 25 is Kansas City. Um, and then, obviously, actually, let's call it, you know, it's a little less than 75 because Baltimore has to lose to Los Angeles. Um and then the Steelers, but I believe that they lose to Los Angeles this weekend. So the Rams, I mean. All right, so that is the playoff standings, the playoff picture, the clinching scenarios went through all of that. Let's talk MVP. 
because, you know, we talked about it. There was a moment where Tom Brady seemed like a shoe-in. There was a moment where I thought that Derrick Henry should be at the top. There was a moment where it was pretty close between Rodgers and Brady. I said I would go Rodgers. Now we're to a point where um, Rodgers is the favorite in almost every betting market. Josh Allen stupidly is creeping back in, but it's ridiculous because he's he's not. Tom Brady is second. And I'm telling you what, I, I told you where the value was last week. We can pull them up again, and I'll tell you where the, the value is again. The value continues, continues to be on um, Patrick Mahomes. There was obviously value on Jonathan Taylor a while ago. I, I don't believe that they'll ever give it to a running back unless he's just unbelievably head and shoulders better than everybody else, which I don't think he is. He's better than all the running backs, but not everybody. Um, Patrick Mahomes still has is 11-1 to 1 in certain spots. 11-1. to 1. You can still bet $100 and win 1100 if Patrick Mahomes... If Patrick Mahomes, if they end the season and don't lose again, and he plays good and Aaron Rodgers has another loss or a bad game or something like that, and Tom Brady has another bad game, Mahomes will skyrocket. I, would, I'm, I don't know. I'm, if you got 500 bucks laying around, seriously, one, 100 gets you 1,100? I mean, make a quick, make a quick 5,500? I don't know. I'm, nothing's guaranteed, but... He's steadily rising, and I think he should be. That's who I would bet on for MVP. All right, and let's quickly talk through kind of who has separated themselves as elite, who is, I would say, you know, scary or lightning in a bottle or hot and cold, whatever you want to call it. So there's about, there's one team in the AFC that I think is elite. There's about three maybe two in the NFC that I think are elite. And then there's a bunch of other teams as currently right now where the roster is that I think are good, not great, or great, but not elite, can make a run, can maybe challenge for a Super Bowl. And then there's about, I don't know, four that are maybe a year too early, but hella fun. Um, So let's talk about them. The two that have separated themselves in each conference – well, one in each conference, but the two total. Kansas City is the only elite team in that conference. That does not mean that other teams can't get to elite. That does not mean that other teams can't beat them. But right now, the only elite team in that conference is the Chiefs. And I have two in the NFC, but maybe like maybe like one for sure, one that's teetering. The, the Packers are elite, and the Cowboys are getting to that level, if not already there, based on that defense. Now, Let's go through teams that I believe are really good and maybe figuring things out. The Rams and then the Bills and the Bengals. Listen, the Bengals are a year early, but that does not mean that they could catch somebody and end up getting to the AFC Championship game against these Chiefs. It's Super Bowl or bust for the Bills and Rams, but they're not there yet. They're not to the level that I want to see yet. But, it is Super Bowl or bust for both those teams. One, because the Bills were in the AFC Championship last year and built their entire team to beat the Chiefs. And then because the Rams basically mortgaged everything for the future for right now. So it's Super Bowl or bust for those two. I mean, it's always going to be Super Bowl or bust for Packers, Bucks, 
um, and Chiefs. But the Titans, if they get Derrick Henry back and get some other guys back, they're good. The Bills are really good, but they're not elite. The Bengals are really good. The Colts are scary. The Patriots have Bill Belichick, but I'm not sold on Mac Jones. Haven't been, never will be. And then in the NFC, you've got Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Bucks, who Bucks are riddled with injuries right now, but I still think if they can get healthy somewhat towards the end of the year, they have a chance. Cardinals are, are faltering, but they're they're still good. I don't think they're great. I think they're good. The 49ers are a quarterback away from being elite, but they have a eh, quarterback, so they're not very much. Their defense is scary. And if they get lightning in a bottle from Jimmy G one game, they can upset somebody. And then the Eagles running attack is one of the best, if not the best in the league. But there's only about two to three elite teams. Then there's a bunch of other teams that like if you if they get hot and they catch a team playing shitty, that they can win a couple games in the playoffs. But You've got Kansas City and then Dallas and Green Bay, and that's their head and shoulders above the rest. I think you probably got the Rams and Bucks right there, and then Bills in that conversation, and then you got a bunch of teams after that. Cincinnati, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Arizona, kind of those teams who, if they get hot, watch out. All right, let's preview Week 17 games here. Two weeks left in the NFL season. This one's going to be a fun one. Um, Let's go. So, Las Vegas taking on the Colts. Um, Colts favored by 6.5. There are no Thursday night games this week, by the way, so you'll have plenty of time to listen to this and get wagers in if you want to. Um, Vegas taking on the the Colts. Colts favored by 6.5. Man, this is one without Carson Wentz that you just, you have to, wait a minute. That line movement seems wrong. I saw it dropped way down. Oh, maybe they're thinking Wentz is going to be back based on the new protocols. Okay, didn't talk about that. Let me back up for a second and talk about the new NFL protocol here. Um, let's do this. So, essentially what has happened, um, you know, based on the last couple days. Um, There is obviously new protocol in the NFL. Um, What they are doing now um, is, let me see here. So, what it looks like is going to be happening is that um, the NFL and the NFLPA are anticipating that the new five-day window for vaccinated and unvaccinated players to be eligible to return to their teams will cut down on absences and give clubs a better handle on when when to anticipate players returning. A symptomatic player cannot automatically return after five days, and the onus remains on individual responsibility to be honest about that information. Unvaccinated players will still remain subject to daily testing, but the vast majority of the league's population will not have to test out of quarantine, though. They will be required to wear a mask for the following five days, as the CDC still recommended that as part as well. So, Basically, they're taking the quarantine down from five to ten days for all players. Um, Once you are asymptomatic, um, you can come right out of the protocol, um, and then you'll obviously be wearing a um, you know the mask and all that stuff. Um, But let me see if I can find a better description because that really wasn't the greatest. Um, So. 
whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, if you have a positive test but you are asymptomatic um, in your quarantine and when you test positive all throughout that, you they move it from 10 days to five days. So in order to clear protocol, um, you have to meet all other qualifi- qualifications beyond the five days since their initial positive test. Um, and you must clear at least you must clear at least 24 hours since the last fever without the aid of fever reducing medication. Um, you must be cleared by the team doctor. But all individuals, regardless of vaccination status, must wear a mask for five days after returning per the CDC's um, recommendations as well. So um, that basically is stating, you know, people like um, Carson Wentz who are unvaccinated, but if they are positive and aren't symptomatic, whether whether regardless of vaccination status you would be able to clear protocol but he would still obviously be mandatory daily testing because of his status so that all is kind of leading me back to previewing which is why it was it was odd that the the um spread was back up to six and a half because it had dropped to two and a half when he was supposed to be out however because it looks like he might be able to clear protocol and be back to play that is now six and a half back to it um if Carson Wentz plays I like this spread. Um, if he doesn't, obviously it's going to drop, and then I would take Las Vegas on the money line because um, it looks like it would be Jake Fromm starting at that point, and I don't really trust that. He did have some good throws in games he had played this year. Um, but, yeah, so keep an eye on that if you're betting it. I would take Indianapolis minus 6.5 if Carson Wentz plays. If not, I would take Las Vegas straight up. Giants taking on Chicago. Chicago favored by six at home. Um, it, as of all, as of right now, it, it it appears that Justin Fields will be back and playing. Um, let me check just to double check though. Um, that's not what I wanted. It, but everything that I was reading, it does look like he will be back. Um, it's still uncertain. He's day to day. Um, but if he practices, um, today and if he practices tomorrow, it's probably a good good idea that he'll play but it's still uncertain um so that six points is probably reflecting that if not it might be maybe maybe a point and a half higher um but big dick nick got it done last week um so that would be another big thing uh, to look to look for i still think the, the bears are the team to bet in that game tampa bay taking on the jets tampa bay favored by 13 and a half the jets are getting several people back from covid protocols though um however tampa bay is still the better team overall um i would probably tease that number down but i would take them to win no matter what buffalo taking on atlanta that's a massive number 14 and a half i would tease that down as well um if you can wait and see if the number drops if it gets bigger you're just gonna have to to bite a huge number there um but 14 and a half is a lot of points um, against Atlanta. I know Atlanta's not good, but man, Buffalo has shown that they can lose some weird games recently. Philadelphia taking on Washington. Um, Philadelphia favored by three and a half. Washington's not very good. Um, they got hammered by Dallas. Maybe it's a bounce back spot, but um, I think Philadelphia is the better team and they're fighting for a playoff spot. So I would take Philadelphia. Kansas City taking on Cincinnati. This line seems low. Um, I think it's people are giving maybe maybe they're overrating the Bengals a little bit. Um, they're taking on a juggernaut here, and this is a massive game for Cincinnati. I would take Kansas City hammer the five. I think they beat them by a, by a decent margin, and that's no shot at Cincinnati. I just think Kansas City is light years ahead of Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati is a year or so uh, you know ahead of schedule, um, but Joe Burrow is a whole lot of fun to watch. New England taking on Jacksonville. Um, you know, 
I've been down on Mac Jones in New England all year. I don't think they're as good as their nine and six record. Um, but you just can't take Jacksonville on the spot. So New England minus 14 and a half, maybe tease them down. Maybe, um, you know, maybe I don't know what you would do in this game other than either bite the 14 and a half or maybe bite the touchdown and a half. But um, New England's going to win. It's just a matter of how much. Miami and Tennessee. Tennessee favored by three and a half. This is big. Miami needs this game a lot. Um, boy, I'm really hard pressed to take Miami plus three and a half because I get that field goal. Um, so I'm going to do it. Miami plus three and a half, I think, is the play there. Rams and Baltimore. I think this is an easy one. Rams minus three and a half. Um, you can tease it however you want, but I don't think Baltimore's in any good spot to play a football game right now or the rest of the year. Um, I would take the Rams minus three and a half. Denver taking on the Chargers. Chargers off a really bad loss. Don't think twice. Really good teams or good teams off of bad losses. They bounce back. Denver's not very good. Chargers minus six and a half. Battle in the division there. San Francisco and Houston. This is a no-brainer. I don't care what Houston did um, last week. Tease this down. Take San Francisco minus, you know, tease it down to probably like five and a half or even if you want to do six and a half. Um, But San Francisco wins. Dallas taking on Arizona. This is a freaking fun game. Um, this will probably be the, the game of the week um, on Fox. Um, Arizona and Dallas. Dallas favored by five and a half. Take Dallas. Um, maybe tease it down, um, but take Dallas. I think they went outright. Um, maybe Moneyline, parlay them, but five and a half is a lot, but I still would probably lay that because I think they're just infinitely better than the Cardinals. New Orleans taking on Carolina. This is weird that we don't know who the quarterback of the Saints is going to be, but they're still favored by seven and a half. Um, I guess they're going to assume that that Taysom Hill will be back or that somebody will be able to play. Um, but Carolina's bad. However, I don't know if they're seven and a half points against the Saints bad. Um, I would probably stay away or tease Carolina maybe to 14 and a half, get two touchdowns in that, in that scenario. Um, but I would stay away from that. Detroit and Seattle. Seattle minus seven. Um, this is one where I'll probably I'll probably end up taking, depending on who the quarterback is. If it's Tim Boyle, then you definitely are going to take Seattle. But if Jared Goff comes back, um, let me take a look at that. If Jared Goff comes back, um, then you definitely have to look at teasing. Um, you definitely have to look at teasing the the um, Lions up to fourteen. He's not pra- He did not practice, um, which probably means it's not great. Probably not going to play. So if it's Boyle, then you're definitely taking um, the the Seahawks minus seven, and maybe you can tease that to a pick'em. And then Minnesota and Green Bay. Green Bay minus six and a half. What a great game for Sunday night. Um, this is probably one I'll tease down just to a pick'em and hope that Green Bay wins outright. What was it was a great game the last time they played. I believe that might have been Thanksgiving um, or right around that weekend. Um, what a great game that was. Um, I do think Aaron Rodgers wins this one. They're seven and zero at home. I don't see them losing at home. So I would probably tease this down to just a pick'em or maybe even you know give them a plus plus a point just in case a field goal happens. Um, but Green Bay wins outright. And then the Monday night game, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. I think this is a game that Cleveland knows they've got to have. It's going to be a grind them out, run the ball a ton. Pittsburgh just hasn't sold me on anything yet. Um, Browns minus three, lock it in. All right, let's get to the gambling corner as we do each week. We pull up DraftKings app. Shout out Ohio passing a law for sports betting in Ohio. We will have that hopefully, you know, by 2022 in the spring or hopefully sometime soon. That way I can actually place these bets in DraftKings or FanDuel, one of the great sports betting apps that hopefully will sponsor this podcast at some point. Um, I can place those in this app. Um, Right now, though, let's pull up the odds here. So, 
Gambling Corner, as you remember, Tweed Trifecta, three-team Moneyline Parlay. All three teams have to win for the bet to hit. We try to get as close to even odds as possible. Sometimes we get a little bit of minus odds. Sometimes we get a lot of plus odds. We'll see. Um, first things first, we're going to put the Chiefs in this parlay because I don't see the Chiefs losing to the Bengals. And then we'll do, oh boy, there's a lot of heavy favorites. Um, let's go Chiefs. And then let's go Bills, Bucks, Patriots. We're going to go a four-teamer. That gets you to plus 106. So Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Patriots, four-team, quadfecta, tweed, parlay here. That is your four-team parlay. Again, Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Patriots. Let's clear those. And then we will do our weekend best bets, which is most of the time a two-team seven-point teaser. So what we are going to do... Hmm. Man, that's tough. What I think I'm going to do, I'm going to tease the bucks down um, to five and a half. And then I'm going to tease the Patriots down as well. So like I said, we're going to do a seven-point teaser here. That gets us to our minus 140. So we're going to go Bucks minus five and a half, Patriots minus eight over the Jags. Um, that's tough, though. There's just not a lot of great teaser unless you want to take a, a, a favorite that's like that you think is going to keep it close. Maybe if you want to go Cardinals, tease them up. Um, but I'm just going to stick with Buccaneers, tease down to 5.5, Patriots down to 8 at minus 140. So one time for review, the four-team Moneyline Parlay teaser, Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Patriots, and then the weekend best bets, which is a two-team seven-point teaser, is Buccaneers down to 5.5 and, and Patriots down to minus Eight for minus 140. The parlay odds were plus 106. All right. I did not review last week's um, gambling corner update, but we lost both because we used the chargers in both of them, I believe. But let me let me double check here. I wrote this down. We definitely lost the parlay because we used the chargers, and I believe we lost the teaser as well. 